Friday feedback. It may not even come out on a Friday, but the point of this is maybe to do one a month and hit up some show questions, different backstories, and stuff that's not in life advice. Uh, so enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Buy. It's Wonder Water. So I was wondering what made Buy so great. And it's actually pretty simple. Buy has antioxidants, electrolytes, and no artificial sweeteners. And the flavors are delicious. For me, it has to be Buy Zambia Bing Cherry. So for flavorful hydration, choose Buy. It's Wonder Water. Learn more about Buy and discover all of the exotic bold flavors at drinkbuy.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. It's the first episode, first edition of Friday Feedback. Uh, originally, when we were going to start doing this, we just wanted a home for all the stuff that we get uh, that's not life advice. The plan was maybe to do it once a month, uh, but now once football starts, I'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So, you know, as I am uh, out and about back and forth between Los Angeles, I figure give you guys uh, a little extra something here. So it's the first time doing it. It'll evolve into something else. Uh, depends on how it goes. But basically, again, Friday feedback, rr at gmail.com. Let's start with, I think, the most asked question of anything that we had of all the submissions is what is going on with the phone alarm? Yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll start and tell you the answer of what's going on. Poor Damian Woody was getting blamed for this for, I think, for like two football seasons. And then people realized, wait a minute, why is it happening now? Uh, where I live on a street, essentially, I use street parking. That's because I turned my garage into a gym during COVID. And I liked it so much that I just said, I don't really want to get rid of this gym just to park a car in there. And if I have to move around a couple of things, I can, but I don't want to have to do that every time I come home to move stuff around. So I'm allowed to park on the street, but I'm only allowed to park on the street if I move it for street sweeping every Monday and Thursday at 9 a.m. So what I've been doing religiously, because when I first moved to that house years ago, it was like mid-peak COVID and nobody was doing anything, uh, especially in LA County. We had like an extra year of COVID here and they didn't ticket anything. So I moved right when that happened. So I didn't really realize the rules. And then of course, it started becoming a deal where I'd get up in the morning, I'd start to prep and then maybe I'd start to show uh, and I hadn't moved my car yet. Right. So I had, I got a, a bunch of tickets out of the jump. And I was kind of like, I ran into the guy. I was like, look, man, like, what am I supposed to do? If everybody else is parking this way, like, what am I supposed to do? He's, you, he's like, you cannot be one inch over. There's an EPA thing with this whole thing. And he gave me like the whole backstory of how it all works, where if they don't do enough street sweeping, then the city gets fined, the county gets fined because of all this runoff. And honestly, dude, the street sweeping, every time I look at it, all they do is just push dust, or push, uh, push dust around. Um, so I'm not, look, it's living in a big city. So I started setting an alarm for myself. The thing is, because no one ever said anything, I thought it was edited out the entire time and didn't realize well, you, we were you just, would never pick up. Like you would finish your point and you'd be like, all right, got to go move the car. <laughs> and then we'd be like, all right. And then that would just be <laughs> <Yes>. this. <laughs> like it would just, like you'd finish your point, you'd stop it, finish your thing, go move the car, and then like pick up on the, like on the next line. So I was like, uh, all right. I, I didn't realize people could hear it. That's the thing is I thought because of the directional mic and the phone would be off to the side, but it doesn't make any sense that nobody could hear it. And since no one ever said anything between you two guys, I was like, oh, I guess we're good. And then as soon as we start this idea up, 20 questions about the phone alarm. <laughs> yeah. So I actually got better about it where I was already moving the car where I was like, you know what? Stop doing this in the middle of what you're doing. It just first thing you do in the morning, get up at six, move the car. And then come back, start to prep, and then do the show. So it wasn't happening as much later. And then it also depend on if we were a Monday, Wednesday, Friday taping, whether you'd hear the alarm on a Monday in football season or a Thursday when I would go with Bill. So um, three minutes on that out of the gate. Hopefully, this segment will be a little bit better than that. But that was the most <laughs> asked question of anything we do. 
it needed to be addressed. It needed to be addressed. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, we haven't heard in a while. I guess that's due to the day thing. I just kind of thought it was funny after a while. Like people would complain about it so much that I'm like, we should definitely not take it out now. <laughs> it's just this weird abrupt thing in the middle of the pod that just keeps you on your toes a little bit. Scheduled you know, for the open. You're, <laughs> you're dozing a little bit. Yeah. You just, oh, oh we're, we're back. We're back. All right. And then sometimes it's like, is it going to be in the pod? Is it not going to be in the pod? Um, so yeah, I don't know. Is it the best thing in the world? No, but I kind of secretly liked it a little bit. So. You secretly liked it? I just thought it was funny. Like, why would it be in there? But it's in there. And people would get mad about it. And I don't know. And then, yeah, like, once it, I, Kyle's point is right, too. Like, it's kind of impossible to take it out if you, if you just if you pick going. up right where you <laughs> left off and not, like, reset. But I know, couldn't believe. I, I just was like, I can't believe how great these mics are. That, <laughs> yeah. it, it, when I was taping, I was like, God, just damn, laser focused. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and here's the thing about the salary cap. It's cool to have cap space, except when you need to use it. And that's why you get contracts like Dylan Brooks, because you're telling your fan base forever that you have all this cap space. And then you're like, hey, we're going to get Harden. But like, what if we trade somebody else who's really good into our cap space? What about those trade exceptions? All these things are going to be awesome. The cap is going to go up. TV rights, the new TV money. Don't even worry about the Evan Turner contracts. Don't worry about matching Alan Crabb. <laughs> all right. <laughs> nice. So, all right. Uh, a couple guys had a real hard time with us having a hard time with trying to find a 10 out of 10 dude. Who did we come up with again? I said Joe and Hall. Right. I said Pitt. Nobody, nobody, uh, Nobody said anything about like prime pit. And I think Jack Orlando Bloom now is a square 10. Now, today, Orlando Bloom, come on. He's going to be a little past his prime, isn't he? I don't know, dude. I just watched the show Carnival Row. He's got his shirt off in the rain. Um, pretty strong. I mean, impressively strong. Uh, and, uh, you know, you think he still looks, he's still got that Will Turner look. He keeps the, mu- like the mustache sort of thing that, that, you know, is kind of intriguing. Um, but uh, he always kind of looks like a pirate, not to the level of Johnny Depp, but it's like yeah. entry level pirate for him. Michael B. Jordan's probably an easy one. Okay, so we had we had Michael B. Jordan suggested we no. fight. No, with the emails here, Fight Club Brad Pitt, great call, yep. Kyle. Mm. Although kind of sketchy and not real. Spoiler alert. Uh, Hemsworth. Sure. Which one? Come on, Thor. Which one? I I don't know. I don't know. I think yeah, Thor's he's he's a little bulky for me, but you know, all right. Yeah. Well, that's no surprise. <laughs> yeah. A little bulky for me. Was uh, Tom Selleck ever a 10? In the 80s? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Paul Newman. Me? That's one my buddy threw out there. He's like, come on. Paul Newman, Newman is hot. Be a that's 10. a good call. Paul Newman's super hot. All right. Prime Paul Newman. Bradley Cooper. Did we say Bradley Cooper? I think we debated Bradley Cooper. I don't know. All right. I think we covered. I think Hemsworth is a really good one. Um, okay, this is one that is funny because there's actually uh, the emailer didn't realize this by sending it in. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here too much, but I'll I'll let you guys in a little bit. I fully realize this is probably an annoying question for you to answer, but you seem to be the bridge between the two biggest sports podcasts out there. Is there a reason why the part of my take guys have never been on Simmons pod or vice versa? I know how strange it must be for someone to care so much about this, but as someone that has been with Simmons since podcasts basically first became a thing, and also as someone that appreciates the way part of my take brought a fresh perspective to everything, I really don't think there's a single interview out there I'd rather see. Again, I know this isn't related to you, but you seem like someone that at the very least have an opinion on the matter. Um, And you did say we could ask for feedback, so I'm asking. Uh, I think this is actually a great, it Great is. use of, of what we're trying to do here. There was a proposal at one point for the four of us to all be in a pod together. So I know you were going to leave me out of this scenario. Um, <laughs> but I I don't think it's a secret that uh, there, there may have been a strained relationship between Simmons and Portnoy at some point. I know the beginning of it. I don't know the in-between. I don't know the end. Uh, I would say this. Portnoy, when he got started, you want to talk about being on the grind. That guy was on the fucking grind. McShay introduced him to me 20 years ago. Um, and I remember I said like, oh, you're the guy that does like that, that, that sports pamphlet. And he fucking looked at me like I insulted everything he's ever cared about. Like pamphlet, you know, and like classic, just imagine Portnoy 20 years ago. He's like pamphlet. And I didn't even think I was being dismissive. Pamphlet's a little... Did. 
a little dickish. I kind of feel like. Yeah. Yeah, but I wasn't. I'll, I tell you, if I was trying to be a dick, like a little brochure, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those, those the little things you're handing out there. Um, because yeah, I didn't really realize this kid was getting up every day, or uh, maybe it was. It wasn't every day. It wasn't a daily. But when he got up to just run around the city with his van to load up all these newspaper boxes, you know, that's why. Yeah, right. I used to read those. Gonna, we used to read. Kids used to read those in college all the time. I remember it was a big deal. Right. So. I even did something with a bar where there was a chance I was going to be on the show by Nesson and they were going to be a sponsor. And then Dave bought some airtime on the radio station that I was at in Boston. Cause at that point it got kind of dark at that radio station where left and right to be like, Hey, we got a new show. These dudes are paying us, you know, a couple grand to be on for three months and we'll see what's going to happen. And it was actually happening. They were just selling airtime to dudes. So I think originally because Dave was a Boston guy and Bill at that point, Bill had already kind of blown up. Like once Bill left Boston, was going to ESPN, and he was going to be like a real guy, and he deserved that because he's that talented. I think there was a feeling that Dave reached out to him. Bill probably blew him off a little bit, and then Portnoy wouldn't let it go. Uh, here's here's what I would suggest. Both are probably grudge holders. I'm as much of a grudge holder as anybody. And for Dave to feel like he got blown off and then become successful, he's like, whatever. But if you look at it from Simmons' angle, Bill's blowing up and everybody's reaching out to him to see, like, can you do something with us? And Bill's really smart about what he'll work on and what he won't work on. And at that point, like, he didn't, he was with ESPN. He didn't need to do anything else. So there may be way more to it. I don't know. Like, and I can tell you, as somebody who's known Bill a really long time, the first, 10 years plus, there wasn't much of a relationship. There wasn't. So if you're in Bill's shoes and now all of a sudden you've got a guy like me being like, hey, you know, I have questions, but really what I'm looking for is an opportunity. I could see how Bill could just put up the blinders and and go into defense mode because it's like, hey, I still got to figure out where I'm getting into this as he became a national guy and became a huge deal. Look, it worked out both incredibly well for both of them, but I don't know. I don't know if uh, it'll ever happen. I don't know if it'll ever happen. It was You'd never really brought up. You'd be surprised the amount of stuff he says no to just in the in the stuff that's like subject objectively big. Like, this is a big one. Like, what do you think? I just got hit up for this one. It's like a, a super important person. Bill's like, man, I don't know. So, I mean, yeah, the thresholds is is pretty high. And sometimes it doesn't always make sense. Like sometimes he'll be like, I want to do something that I would be surprised that he'd want to do an interview with. But like a lot of the big ass that flowed into like, I'm sure Sarudi's in my inboxes were like, hey, look what we got. What do you think? Maybe maybe like September, October. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I think he's just to the point where it's hard for him to get excited. A good story about this. and I, I don't think he would mind if I shared this. But so we got an email pitch, Allison, our guest booker and I uh, about Stephen A. Right. And, you know, he wants to promote his podcast. And I I, I just kind of thought like that'd be a really interesting person for Bill to talk to. I don't know if he had ever int- uh, interviewed him before. Um, obviously, they're like two giants, but they do different things. And they all obviously used to both be on care. At one point, we're on countdown. And I, Bill was like a little skeptical, I think, just to be like, yeah, I don't like I'm, you know, I'm Bill. Like, why do I why do I sort of need to do this? And I totally understand. But from my perspective, I was like, it'd be awesome to just talk about the industry with Stephen A. Smith. I'm sure he's he's a good interview. He'll say good things. Now, I wish, as many people have pointed out, I wish his his audio video was a little bit better uh, on his side. Um, it wasn't our Gosh. fault for everyone that's yelling at us. But yeah, uh, it is what it is. It wasn't great that day. So I envisioned it to be better. But the actual content of that conversation was really good. But I think sometimes it's like it's hard to, you know, I'll pitch you things on things, Ryan. And you're just be like, no, I don't want to talk to that person. I want to do that topic. And that's totally fine. But, you know, you're successful guys. I'm not like you're going to be told no a, a lot of times. But I wonder if it's if the the so this was specifically part of my take in Bill, right? That that this person's asking about. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if it's just like a, a is this like a are the reason Jordan and like LeBron were never sort of like friendly? It's just like you're kind of competing for the same airspace in a lot of ways. And I think what why does it behoove either of you to be like friendly to the other one? Yeah, I feel like it's a little diss at me going on with them all the time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, at this point, actually, this analogy? I, I would I would zag yes, on actually. all of this because well, I would I would zag on your last part because at this point they're so successful. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, you know what but I mean. Then, well, like, the answer is whose pod, tide whose pod going? do they go on, and which one comes first? You know, that's also probably a little bit of a hang up. 
look, there was a thought of the four of us doing something at one point, and then it just was like, it's not going to happen. So, uh, but I think Kyle brings up a really good point. Like, it's amazing how in the moment or even for a couple of years, you'd be like, oh, that's never going to happen. Then just one day, it's like, who gives a shit? Just do it. So, uh, you know, TBD on that one. Speaking of <laughs> guests on the pod, I think it'd be great if Ryan had Scott Galloway on. Yep, oh, already yeah. did it, dude. Thanks, dude. A year ago. <laughs> I've got great news. You can go look that one up. Yeah, it was a good interview. <laughs> uh, this is about Ben Affleck. People want him to run for president, by the way. Have you seen ben that? Ben Affleck? Like a, not Ben. No, not Ben Affleck. Although maybe. Get my vote, But no, kid. Scott. Scott Galloway, 2024. He's a big like TikTok and Instagram. Like thir- in 30 seconds, and I like Scott, but in 30 seconds, he's like an elite person. Like he sounds like the smartest <laughs> person in the world in 30 seconds. Um, there's a lot of get out, but awesome. no, but I do really like him. I think he is good. So yeah, you got to work for, for a couple of people. It's like the five minute rule. I'm like once that guy talks for more than five minutes, though, you're like, oh wait, what's here going on here? Yeah, like he's a fucking. He'd give you a great five minutes. All right, here we go. Uh, ben Affleck owes Ryan big time. Something that occurred to me about a year and a half ago, but didn't feel worthy of the life advice inbox. This might be the right spot. Who knows? We'll see. I've never cared for Ben Affleck. I found him to be pretentious, not funny, and generally untalented, exception to town that movie rocks. However, over the last couple of years, I found myself having a more positive opinion of guy of the guy. As a regular listener of Ryan since the SVP days, it occurred to me that I'd get an energy boost in the car when the Life Advice intro kicked on and wondered if this was influencing my opinion. Flashing back to that timeline, a potential competitor of Ryan, A-Rod, was trying to launch his podcast empire on the back of Big Cat and Company. Wow, two shout outs for, uh, for Big Cat here early. Uh, clearly, this failed. Did it fail? I don't know. I'm keeping it up. More importantly, here's my theory. A-Rod was scouting the top sports podcast landscape. He wisely realized that Life Advice was a hit and started obsessing over it. J-Lo was forced to listen to it, unsurprisingly loved it, and developed the same Affleck revival that I did. A few (laughs) back-to-back hilarious Life Advice segments and A-Rod's failure to match was enough for Jen to dump Alex to go back to Ben. Therefore, Ben owes Ryan for reviving his image and securing his happily ever after. Shout out Ryan. Too bad she likes Ben's voice more than Ryan's baritone. Likely impossible, but not impossible. It's a good story. I think Ben has a few more things going for him than that <laughs> intro. Uh, that was that was kind of a harsh critique, but the guy likes the guy likes Affleck now, so we're okay. Uh, I don't. Do we read this below deck one? I love below deck. I love everything uh, on the outskirts and the inside of below deck. So, uh, all right, we're going to. But I'm just telling you, the guy that sent it, you're not going to like this. You're not going to like this feedback. So we've had a guy that's been emailing us and Life Advice and now forward us an entire thread that he sent to the casting people of Below Deck. The backstory is he's never worked on a boat. He has a, I'm not going to make it too specific, but he's obsessed with the idea of becoming part of the show. And he wants to actually be the third stew, which is normally not always like the male role, although they do mix it up. They, they've, they've had men be on the stew side, which is service, laundry. Um, I'd rather be outside. I'd rather be part of the deck crew. But this guy's determined to be part of the stew crew. He has sent us, I don't know, 10 emails about it. I've ignored them all. Um, <laughs> tends a lot from one person. There's a few people that just email over and over again, which is, which is you know, to be understood. And then when we had Andy Cohen on, he like sent it again and like forwarded his own stuff. And I don't see every single email. Kyle filters a lot of it for me. Um, and the, I guess his concept was, even though we'd never acknowledged this before, he thought that maybe because I had Andy Cohen on for like 40 minutes, that then I would give Andy Cohen a heads up to be like this dude who I don't know that emails all the time wants to be on below deck. You're like the mayor so, of Kingstown for Bravo. Right. Shows. <laughs> so just an update on the Andy Cohen thing. Not shocking. I've talked to him zero times since we had him on. Okay. If I were ever going to use a favor, like an Andy Cohen favor, it's not going to be this one. It's not going to be this one. And then he sent us the emails that he sent to the casting director. And it just... It's a lot. Dude, it goes on and on and on. Um, he Does sends he have the looks on, for the show, you think? I don't know. I mean, you. I think you're going to be a pretty good looking guy. So he needs to be honest I with agree. himself there. We're not going to assume anything. All right. And, I, you know, his whole thing was a non-boat person being on the show, hilarity ensues. Okay, fine. But he basically was pitching himself, then followed up that pitch two weeks later, 
Then two weeks later, send another follow-up. Then 12 days later, another follow-up. Two days later, following up on the follow-up. That's what the email basically says. Then he looks like he took a couple weeks off. Eager third stew, waiting to hear from you. Um, then 21 days later, sent another one, then another one, on and on. The, then he started hitting up the people that booked the charters, and he included that email, and the people were like, dude, we don't do any of the casting. We <laughs> simply do the charter Please part. Please take us of off so, your threats. <laughs> right. And then he sent all of these to us multiple times. So the reason I'm bringing up any of this stuff is, like I say in life, when you're trying to pursue the stuff that's hard to get, there's that fine line between persistent and annoying. And you have smashed through it headfirst without even realizing, perhaps. <laughs> now, usually the person that makes the judgment, it can be a moving target. Man, this guy's really persistent. Oh, my God, this person's super annoying. But why the fuck would we do any of this? Like, think about our days. Hey, Sarudi, make sure you get that guy who we don't know that keeps emailing the show. If you could forward that to the contacts that Andy Cohen had to go ahead and book that thing because whatever. And I'm just being transparent. If there's ever a time where I'm like, could I hit Andy Cohen up for something? It's going to benefit me <laughs> or someone I know. Yeah, this is how my dad told me to like apply for jobs when I was 16 and had like no skills. He was like, did you go back? Did you go back? I was like, yeah, I dad, know. I went back. They told me to fuck off really nicely. And he's like, all right, well, you know, four days from now, it's time to go back. Like, and it never worked out that way. The, the going back, whenever I got a job, I got it like right there or like within a week. But uh, some maybe he's got a dad like mine who's just like, you know, be the first face they see when they get in there and be the last one, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, and parents are so, you know, they're, they're always they always tell you to do shit. Like even when you have a job, like, well, just tell your manager this. Just tell Bill that. And I'm like, Dad, I'm not. That's not how it works. Uh, so maybe he's got like really uh, overbearing parents who are just like, just do this and you'll get it. I get what he's trying to do. And sadly, he may have smashed through the persistent annoying line to where he now <laughs> needs to continue to be this annoying. Just like, okay, this guy would not stop. So you've no longer cared about that. I mean, I've read, I'm not going to read all the emails, but there's another one in there where she's blatantly like, you don't need to do anything else. We will follow up. With <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. Tell you. There's, there's nothing else <laughs> that you need to number. do. Two years of these emails, there's nothing else. And then he'll follow up again and then he sends them to us. So I don't know if you're listening to this laughing. I don't know if you're listening to this being like, fuck those guys. I hope you're listening to this going, whatever you're doing here, don't do that with stuff that's super important. <laughs> you either have that sort of bone in your body or you're born with it to be like the nagger or you don't. Like I remember when, when, I, when the Scal show thing didn't work out, you know, everyone's like, oh, hit up this person, hit up that person. Like, and I was so uncomfortable with it, but there are some people and I probably, and it was people that I, like, I know well, I just, feel, you just feel bad asking people for favors. Maybe it's easier to ask for a favor for a guy you don't even know. He's like, whatever, I'll just hit up for so like a thousand times. Maybe he'll think it's funny and help me out. But man, yeah, that's, it, ha it kind of has the opposite effect, but there are so many stories of people like, how'd you make it in the, in, in whatever incredibly, you know, selective field you're in. Oh, I just like kept asking and kept asking and it worked out one day. So like you kept, you keep getting fed these like things of these one in a million chances. And this guy's like, yeah, sure. All right, I'll just keep firing emails off and may and maybe he thinks it's going to work. So it's like hard to say to don't do it because it does work sometimes, but it's not gonna work here, buddy. Sorry. Read the room. Yeah. And that's the problem is that's why I said moving target is there's going to be times where one approach is considered persistent and you're rewarded and the same approach with somebody else, you're going to be like, this guy's the fucking worst and this is so annoying. Uh, I'm just telling you, as far as this crew's concerned, we're not going to help. Yeah. You've done all you need to do. We'll call you. Right. Yep. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there you go. Okay. This is an incredible email. My wife explains her dreams every time she has no. and remembers them and tells me them in extreme detail. And she sometimes listens to life advice with me. Yesterday, of course, she did. Once I heard the, uh, <laughs> the gist of the guy whose girl tells him her dreams and figured out what it was going to be about, I watched her reactions closely. She seemed to side with a guy that was kind of ridiculous. She said, hey, uh, he should absolutely tell her he's over it. <laughs> there are kinder words you can find to tell her, but she should just tell her it's just one of those things that bother him. I made a call. I told my wife, yeah. 
So when you tell me about your dreams, it's one of those weird things that bothers me. Totally did not work. So be careful. I like the dream journal or maybe set a time like around happy hour on a Friday to recap the week, the week's dreams with her. Boy, how would that go over at the frolic room? Friday night dream recap. Five o'clock dream session. Right? <laughs> like talk about I'm having a hard time meeting women. I joined a dream recap group. On Fridays. Uh, so um, maybe recap them on Fridays. Odds are she will have forgotten about them. And at least you can have a couple cocktails and make it an event that seems like it's about her. Or she'll write them all down in the dreams journal and you'll be talking about it for an hour. But all caps. This is the twist. What a twist. It's dead the whole time. Regarding the nip it in the butt versus bud comments. I have been telling her it is bud, not butt. And she's always been skeptical that it's true, no matter how much I've insisted. It made the car ride more tense when I couldn't oh, resist man. to point out that after our <laughs> dreams conversation, but I By will take way. that W. What a horrible episode for your wife. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Wait, so you never Googled this in front of her? Like, yeah, that's had what to I was going to say. It had to, this has had to be the time when it all came out. Yikes. Like, you don't have the internet? Not to be a dick, but. She's going to love Imagine being her, though. She's without any self-awareness going, oh, my God, he's just going to tell his wife how annoying it is about the dreams. And then her own husband's like, yeah, you mean like when you do it to me, it annoys me. Then she gets mad at him. And then as they're they're going through the tense car ride, she learns from like non-biased parties that it's not nip it in the butt in the same (laughs) fucking 10 minutes. She must have had the worst time. How's her week been? I want Friday feedback, or at least partially, to turn into just like dudes emailing about the things that bother them about their significant other, and then l- making their significant other listen to the podcast, <laughs> so they just get outed while they're oh, listening. Yes, like, feedback hey, for look, them. it's not me. Yeah, it's not me. This person, yeah, this person said that this sucks. So you have to stop doing it. I don't know. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. Uh, speaking of words, some people have. Uh, I, it blows my mind anytime anybody thinks I have an accent. I just don't think that I do. But clearly, there's a few words in there. I don't know that we need to recap them all. I don't know if you guys would tell me, but yeah, there's a, there's a few words. I think I might even have said Helmsworth at some point, not Hemsworth, but we figured it out. The word got, you, know, got you, you, you say gut, like, yeah, we got it. We got it. Yeah. Yep. That's one. I used to say idea. I think that's a new England thing. Mm. Uh, but I, I guess I've just never really felt like I did because the Philly guys that I knew, clearly all the mass guys, Connecticut guys don't really have much of an accent. New York's its own thing than the South and on and on and on. And then I think California is just a bit more about phrasing than it is words, specific words. Then there's a Vermont accent that's like, it's a whole different level. Is that the Buster uh, only? So yeah. No, I don't really hear it from Buster. It's really weird. It's it's a very weird, it doesn't even sound like New England. It's a little Quebec-y in there. Uh, and it's like, you go up to Milton, Vermont up there and it's, you're like, oh, okay. You know, but it's, it's, it's hard to do. I'm out of practice too. So I'm not even going to bother right now. Uh, so there you go. Okay. We'll take a break. Do a couple more of these. This episode is supported by state farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now, by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand. It's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. 
you earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This one's pretty interesting. I, I think I'll just read it and then defer to Saruti and see what he thinks first. One of my favorite things in the SVP days was when Scott would have an opinion Ryan thought was bad, and you can hear the disdain in Ryan's <laughs> voice bordering on disbelief that Scott could have such a dumb take. The disgust would put Scott on his heels, which made for a fun listen. Same with Danny. You could tell Ryan liked Danny, but it was also very apparent that Danny annoyed him. That mix of Ryan enjoying someone but also being annoyed made for great content. The opposite is how Ryan seems to really respect and appreciate Chris Long and is willing to roll with Chris's jabs. So maybe the feedback is that it'd be really funny to have an ongoing segment where Danny and Chris come on at the same time. That mix seems like it would be pretty entertaining. I know I would like it. I just don't think we'd be able to get those guys on consistently enough for that kind of thing to happen. Well, it could so, be a one-off. I don't hate a one-off idea. Yeah. All right. What do you think of that? What do you think of the Scott part first and then do the Danny part? Because you work well, on both shows. Before he mentioned Danny, it was definitely way more with Danny and again it was because you like Danny but you guys just it just <laughs> there would be times and I've, like, I've said this to Danny so it's not like I'm saying anything out of turn here but where you know you got an eight minute segment and Danny has like this idea right and if you weren't feeling it you could really unravel that thing in about 30 seconds and then we have about seven and a half minutes left in the segment and <laughs> Danny would just be treading water trying to like figure out how to like combat or like counter punch you um, which you know it just didn't really work so like I would say, you know, if you weren't into an idea, especially like, like, what was it? Uh, go to the week. Perfect example. Like you just never bought into it. So it was just going to be a tough sell and a tough segment for the most part. And Danny was going to have to carry that segment. At that point, he wasn't like fully, you know, I think ready to do that situation. But yeah, I think there are times where I didn't notice as much with Scott, maybe because I was like kind of, you know, I was sort of like newish on the show and I was just like intimidated by everybody at first and whatever. But there were definitely times that it was way more with Danny. And I didn't I couldn't tell if that was entertaining or if people just thought it was incredibly awkward or maybe it's both. I remember Bill once said he goes, you know, the best part about you and SVP was that you were so pissed all the time. (laughs) Well, there was also like the chip on your shoulder thing of like that you not having your name on the show. And I think all that like you would bring an extra with Scott because you just wanted to prove to people that it wasn't just the Scott Van Pelt show. Well, it was, we've been over this a lot, but I mean, it was an absurd way to go, you're not important enough, but you're actually going to be on the show for like four months by yourself because Scott's TV schedule is so ridiculous. And there was no way that Scott was going to do a full, like, you know, starting out, you get your four weeks off in in July and August, and then you've got to be on the rest of the time when you're launching a radio show. That's kind of the way that it needs to go. And I've always said this, like it, it put us in a bad spot, but it was, it, Scott was there so much. The fucking guy had no life there for multiple years. You know, he was coming in 11 or 12, go on at one, out at four, and then he would be on campus until one or two. And that's what he was doing five days a week for multiple years. So to make up for it, he'd have extended time off from radio 
because it was just it was just too many days. Like nobody was working there more than he was. So then it was like, well, here's Ryan who'll just work all the time. But you know, but it's so it was never towards Scott. It was always towards everybody being like, I can't fucking believe that you don't get it. That like I'm here to prove that I, you know, I can be awesome at this and I can do all these. The thing is, is none of it, none of it mattered. Like no one ever said, Hey, you know what? You were really good on that, that trade exception thing. Yeah. That was good. That happened zero. Like those, the examples of me pointing out something and somebody going, Hey, that was really good. Zero times. So part of it was like, I'd rather not be that person. Well, I know I'm not that person. And I look back on it and go, you know, you could have had more fun with it. You could have had more fun with it, but I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Danny, I needed to be a better co-host and let Danny be Danny more because Danny was coming into just a, as tough a spot for different reasons because he was following Van Pelt, who has like one of the highest approval ratings of anybody that works in this business. So if looking back at the Danny years, the SVP years, I understand and could spend hours talking about it, which I probably talked about a lot already. With Danny, a lot of that is on me, not letting Danny just be fun. Like it's 15 hours live every week. Let him have multiple segments that I don't like because it's our show. It's not my show. And, you know, there was, there was just, it took me way too long at that place to just kind of be like, Hey, fuck it. I'm good. Like, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm not, I don't want to sit in any more of these meetings and hear about why I'm not good. Like, I know I'm good and fuck it, but I couldn't do that towards until towards the end. So, uh, yeah, um, there was one, I don't think I ever remember like there was one blow up that you and Scott had. Remember when he would call in for the pre-show meeting? Yeah. Cause he, yeah, we only had his- like four fights in six years, which is <laughs> I think incredible knowing yeah. that we're both not afraid to tell the other person to fuck off. So we, we got along really, really well for two dudes being in a room every day for six years, but go ahead. No, it was just that, that that was the only like real definitive time I remember you guys being mad and you weren't even in person. He was on the call. You were in the studio because you could basically like connect this phone line to the mics in the studio and everybody could talk to each other. And I don't even remember what it was about, but you had you said something probably annoyed about either the timing of something or whatever. And he was just like, he had had it. I don't even remember what his direct words were, but you guys kind of were just he was just like, what the fuck, Ryan? Like, what do you want me to do? Blah, blah, blah. And like. It ended up kind of blowing up into this thing. And I, again, I was like kind of new at the time. So I don't really know if this was a normal thing that happens or like you guys are, you know, you guys are just like, this is the one off. You guys kind of hate each other for the day thing. But for the most part, it was like pretty cordial. There would be times like, remember the time when Van Pelt forgot Kevin Durant in his uh, top five small forward things. And we just got Stanford Steve kind of let that slide. That's like, I think that was just good for the show. That wasn't, the, you know, maybe we were being dicks at, the, at that time, but that was actually just like, a, this is a great show moment. I don't think you were trying to be an asshole, but for the for the most part, I always just felt it way more with Danny. And again, it's not anyone's real fault, which is kind of how the show broke down. The Danny part's my fault. Oh, I guess it's your fault. Yeah, sure. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the Scott part is the dynamics fault. You know, but here we are. We're talking about like a show that Scott and I for six years was a really good show. So it wasn't like the show ended because something bad happened or we didn't want to work together anymore. I knew I couldn't keep working with him because I was just going to end up being a sidekick. And he got the opportunity to have like a personalized sports center, which totally worked out and it does really well. He got to move home. I mean, it could not have gone better for both of us, but the breakup was more of like, Hey, I don't know that I can keep doing this. And he was like, I don't think I can do both again. Like I did before. And then that was it. That was, it wasn't like a Mike and Mike situation. No, there wasn't, there wasn't anything where one guy was angling the other way. And then when Scott was leaving, it kind of was weird because Cowherd was up right around that time. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, we're going to resign you and we're going to give you a raise and we're going to make this work. And, you know, Dave Roberts at the time was taking over radio and he was a big uh, positive influence on on me kind of turning things around there, I guess, temporarily a little bit. But uh, the Danny thing I, I regret because I, I guess, you know, when you're a co-host, you got to let the other guy, you know, shoot. You got to let the other guy shoot. And there was just too many times where I, I didn't. My, my edginess, my abrasiveness with Scott was like a, I'm going to show everybody type of thing. And, you know, but the thing is, is it wasn't like that every single day. It just wasn't. It had moments. It had little moments like that yep. that Bill was talking about. But the two fights, there was one fight that was 100% my fault because I couldn't. We were disconnected. He was home. 
We were on ISDN lines. It was a lot in the beginning of the show, which I was always kind of pissed about because they're trying to build this chemistry and he was staying home a lot because we'd get bumped from TV because we were on ESPN2. Then that turned into a whole debacle about him canceling us on ESPN2, but we never really give him much of a chance, which is, you know, host 101. Be like, it wasn't my fault. Everybody else's fault. So he was in he was like live audio in the other room and then i got screwed up on the question order which was happening all the time because we were separated and of course me wanting to be a perfectionist i was like what the fuck is going on like i was in the talk back to the producer because i was like now i'm getting like what's going on and he could hear me in the talk back in the other room being like what the fuck what the fuck is he doing and it wasn't anything like really nasty or personal it was just live on the air tv radio days of like what 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 like what the fuck and then he lit me up when we get done with the show, he called me, lit me up and he was right. He was like, don't do shit like that. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I have nothing to say other than I'm sorry. Uh, but he also understood what I was doing. So we were good. And then the other fight, we were just due for one. It had been a little while. Yeah. And it's actually really funny thinking back on it. And this is when Saruti was on the show where it was partly like the Durant small forward thing because it was a little bit of an asshole move for Steve not to say, hey, dude, you left Durant out, but it was going to be so good for the show because yeah. it was like the doldrums of summer. We we're doing top five at every position. And then we were debating him and Steve pulls me in and he's dying. Like he's holding back this dying laughter because Durant's favorite player is Van Pelt's favorite player at the time is Durant. And he's like, dude, he didn't put Durant down on his top five. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then Scott's looking back from the glass. He knows. He's like, what? What's, what's going on? We're like, nothing, dude. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Where if you were doing that for game day or you're doing it for something else, a producer is supposed to make their host. You always want your host to look good. But in this case, it was like just too good. So I'm sitting there trying to hold back everything. And Scott knows. He knows something's wrong. And he's like, he goes through and he does his top five small forwards. And we're like, dude, no Durant. He's like, he's a power forward. We're like, yeah, that's Adam's that. Abaca. And he's he like, as soon as you yeah. say Abaca, he's like, fuck. And the funny thing is, Durant's like way more of a power forward, I think, now anyway. But with that lineup, the way they played it, who started where, even though it's sort of positionless, he had fucked it up and then we laughed and he had to kind of take it. But it still was kind of uncool, even if it was really good for the radio show. Uh, and the radio show, you know, there's a line of what you can do that'd be uncool or whatever. But the point of the whole thing is it had been building for a little bit. And the only reason I'll finish the story here is that sometimes when I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Or what is he saying? I would look at Steve in the glass because all three of us were so close. But if you're Scott and you're watching your co-host like look at the glass to the producer be like, what the <laughs> fuck? That's going to get old really quick, especially when you're talking stature, like Scott's above me. He just is. Yeah. And so Scott was like, oh yeah, why don't you look at Steve again? And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. This is all like on the air. And I was just like, okay, okay. And then he said something else. So then I was like, well, I'm not going to take this. So like, I went back at him and he's like, why don't you give me another fucking ghost dad or something without swearing? <laughs> because I would just guess ghost dad all the time yeah. and it would annoy the shit out of him. And then once I realized how annoyed he was, anytime a movie came up or whatever, I'd just be like, ghost dad. And when he got like, he turned ghost dad into a swear. Then we went to break and we screamed at each other for a good five minutes and then it was fine. It was done. It was like it just had to get out. I'm surprised knowing his personality and my personality, we didn't fight more often, but we really didn't. And we're still, you know, he's one of my closest friends. So happy ending. Worked out. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's do uh, best of life advice. People want to know if there is one or if there's no. a better way to put descriptions on them. I think the answer is no to both. No, I think we could do descriptions, right, Kyle? I mean, we could be a little bit like... going to go back and do descriptions. No, not, well, not that's like, never right going to go actively. Yeah. You mean yeah, going forwards? Yeah, going forward. Unless we had like some intern that we're just like, yeah, I don't know, just do this, listen to pause and put, you know, descriptions in. But going forward, it seems possible. I kind of liked it. I liked it to be sort of like a, like a mixed bag where you don't know what it is. Because if it's like, I don't know, it might turn some people off instead of like people be like, oh, what are they going to do today? But uh, we could we could workshop. You could like, be super vague, though. You could be like, you know, just so people know, like, like a couch incident. You know, it doesn't yes, have to be. There were like a couple of times when I wanted to put it in the description, but I was like, no, nope, we've got the formula. Don't fuck with it. Like there were a couple of good ones where I was like, this would actually be funny in the in the life advice sentence. But I was like, yo, we've got it. We've got it. It's been uniform this whole way. Maybe we keep it. But uh, yeah, we could workshop that. I think a few times we've had a situation where we've we've even if it was a really good life advice or something kind of funny and we were short on the title that day, we might like allude to something in the title, but it doesn't really go in the description. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm for it, but I would be very brief. Like, just keep it short so people know. Like, if it's a, you know, I don't know, you're living on a farm or something, farm, farm guy, something. Yeah, you know what including I mean? like, relationships, just, farms, and uh, yeah. robberies or something. It's like that's, that that's way, what you get in this life advice. That way you could search, I think, in Spotify and you could be like, Rosillo Farm, and it would come up. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's table that for the end of August and see. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, I know. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, won't I'm be actually this serious. Pod, but yeah. No, yeah, it's not going to happen anytime soon. But are they all on YouTube? My understanding of our content on YouTube no. couldn't be lower. No, they're not. Israel. Some of them are. You, I think I found out are. six months after the opens were on YouTube that they were on YouTube. Most so, of your opens oh. are on YouTube, at least the recent ones, the last couple of years. The Life Advice, there's some, but not all. Usually when they're sponsored, I think they're on YouTube, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know anything about it. I should know more about that. Okay. Two quick ones. Well, one's quick and then we'll just finish with the other one. We had a teacher chime in. I teach middle school history in Southwest Colorado. Oh, as an aside, people keep asking for a history pod. Love it. I, I'll look, I'll admit, I don't think I'm as educated on it to start hosting podcasts about a certain, you know, time. I can I can do my drive-by facts or share a story or give you a little in-depth on the one guy I'm reading about right there. But I think they're like the real history buffs where they could sit and they get together these conventions and they talk. The other weird thing about reading about history is you could read a bunch of books on something going on. Like right now I'm reading about the World War II uh, campaign in Africa. It's fucking crazy, right? And there's stuff I had no idea about, right? But then if I sat and talked to somebody else, they may have read like three different sources of the same conflict, but have like a completely different. So history, I imagine, is kind of weird to debate with certain people because there's so much information that's out there that your entire opinion is going to be completely influenced by just whatever versions of it you read. So like, what are you going to do? Read 30 books on one battle? No, you and then be like, all right, one. no. You know, because yeah, like Dan Carlin, a heavyweight, right? He's great. Dan Carlin's great. There's another guy, Professor Greg Jackson. I like historians love to find the thing that they disagree with. Like even the heavyweights, there's guys that hate Dan Carlin, which is really an objectively really great way to listen to some of this history stuff. Well, I'm sure they hate him because like he's become the guy for history. Pops. Sure. But even happens, like a guy right? who's less of a guy, they just hate everyone loves to like, well, this is my, this one's different. So like no matter how who you are, when you do this, people are going to are going to like be like, he shouldn't be doing this. He's not the guy for the job. So no matter who you are, that's why I'm saying I wouldn't. I wouldn't let that stop you. Yeah, reading about the invasion of North Africa is just fucking crazy, making their way over to Tunisia. Like, talk about the worst. Like, just logistically fucking it up so bad in the beginning. Just fucking it up so bad. And then be like, all right, heading towards the Eastern Front. And it's like, where are all the troops? You're like, oh, we still, we lost half the Jeeps. The tanks don't work here. Be like, we have no air support. So, like, the beginning of that thing you're like this where's this going i mean granted you're reading this book years later decades later and you know how it ends but i do not consider myself educated enough on that to do now could i do a book review with the author or just go yeah, hey here's a couple right. things yes. or like people keep asking for me and pft to maybe read the same book and then bullshit back and forth we could probably do that we even pr uh, proposed a book club podcast a standalone thing but I think once I was like, I want to get paid for that. It was like, I right, fuck off. So yeah. people behind the curtain, like, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'll just tell you. It was like, oh, do one other thing that I don't. I'm like, no, I'm not it's like, you're going to sell ads. You are. Okay. You know, I learned that the hard way with NBA today, Subway. We'd have to figure it out though, too. Like, would we, would we just do 30 minutes on like Ulysses S. Grant, for example? I mean, the, the amount of controversy that that created of us calling him an, an like an underrated president. Um, people are like, how dare you say that? You guys don't know shit. And it just turns into like, you guys don't know shit. And honestly, I'm guilty. That's of what it I mean. Too. Right, I'm guilty but, of it too, because after Oppenheimer, like, you know how many freaking Oppenheimer and like a bomb experts there are now on Twitter. And it's like, you don't know shit. You like read You watch a couple YouTube videos just like I did. And you're not an expert. You just a regurgitate. We got shit facts. for Ulysses S. Grant. Nah, some people were like, if you think, you, you know, Ulysses S. Grant is a, is an underrated president. You don't know shit about history. And you're like, all right. Okay. Taft right. was a trust buster. <laughs> hey, look, if, if I'm biased for the Chernow stuff, but if you read a thousand pages on Grant and Chernow, it's not, he's not trying to convince you that he's better than he is, but he's explaining 
the different controversies of his life. And my conclusion was, okay, the financial stuff at the end, like it makes sense. Shitty job picking your cabinet. You know, uh, obviously there's some stuff with his in-laws there that's fucked up too. Um, but the whole package of it, but that's the problem is that's back to my original point of history. I could feel pretty good about some of the stuff, but there is so much material out there on all of these different events that I would never present myself as convinced I have it 100% right the way I would on some kind of trade thing where I'm like, hey, here's my new history pod. Um, it might, it would have to be specific to that book, discussing the book and then mm-hmm. figuring it out. But I wouldn't feel like complete enough unless I, you know, I think I could handle Lexington pretty well. We, Joseph Warren, big fan, you know. It would be funny to like, just a dumb example, but like, you know, instead of drafting, you know, or instead of ranking like our top five quarterbacks, we just rank our like top five generals of all time. We could just slip that in every once in a while because that's like pretty stupid and harmless. Right. Like a Schwarzkopf overrated, underrated. I'm efficiency yeah, Patty, off the charts, yeah. a punt, right? But, you know, if you go, well, fuck, dude, he's playing the G League. Comes to Sherman. <laughs> Come on. He's a, he had a run. So more of a march. <laughs> what are you, you going to do? going to do there. All right. So actually, we didn't read any of this email really yet. <laughs> History teacher here. Um, Colorado loves the love for Jokic. Last spring, one of my eighth graders was really down on himself and engaging in some self-deprecating talk during a study session. Uh, now, this kid is a serious NBA fan. He watches League Pass, tells me at lunch all the GM moves he's made the previous night on 2K and even read Bill's book of basketball for language arts for a language arts project. That day, I hit him with a quote, don't put a salary cap on your life. His face lit up and his attitude totally shifted. He crushed the study session and left the room in much better spirits when he entered. Thanks for helping brighten this young man's day. Love the pod. Yeah, I I know it's kind of stupid. And for whatever reason, when my buddies were a lot younger and they would talk about like other guys that were killing it and be like, oh, that guy's going to make more, more money than you'll ever see or whatever. And, you know, the likelihood is they probably were right. And there's certainly some things that I could think of that are perhaps unobtainable, but why would I convince myself they're unobtainable? It's kind of like, you know, I was getting shit the other day from somebody to be like, oh, you're still working out. And I was like, well, you can be weak or strong. Why would you pick fucking weak? Last email. (laughs) (laughs) Just awkward silence after that. I've said, yep. Okay. uh, This is a good one for both of you guys. I'll lay out a bit and then tell you what I think. Uh, 25 working in a major sports media market, still trying to grow, but I work for two well-known sports brands currently. All right. Well, if he's working for two at 25, that's actually pretty good. I always love when you do the inside the industry or career talk on the podcast. I would, I feel like I've done so much of it that I know it's repetitive to me, but one of the weird stats they used to use for us radio was that like Mike and Mike's audience was it was like some absurd number. I'm not even sure if I believed it, but they did. Uh, they did massive numbers, ratings, billing, like impressions. off the charts. Bill. Uh, yeah. When it was the impressions <laughs> or, hey, we're trending. It's like, well, you're trending because it's 6 a.m. on the East Coast. Yeah. So, you know, um, but that that sounds like taking a swipe at those guys when, in fact, like the stuff that really mattered. I do believe at one point they were billing seventy five million dollars a year for that show. That is like such a staggering fucking number. Uh, and you would argue based on that formula, they were underpaid, but I already brought this up before where, you know, ESPN would say, I would put two other guys on ESPN too, you know, yeah. and here's, here's a lot of money and a great way to make a living, but like free market, if you were billing 75 million a year, you're making eight figures a year. Easy, easy. So anyway, um, this, uh, I, I don't know if I'll do like a standalone thing on it ever. Because I feel like it would it would it would feel so repetitive to me, and poor Sarudi and Kyle would have to listen to it all again. So anyway, this guy's asking a pretty specific question, though. Here it is. I found out uh, at work that the nicest people I work with and meet are the former athletes turned media personalities, whereas the pure media, I guess that'd be like somebody like me, on air talent can be kind of jerks. Uh, all right, he gives me examples, names, names. I'm not going to name the names, but essentially across the board, positive views of all these athletes that he's worked with, and some serious heavy hitters here, and then not as cool with some of the other people that are the non-athletes that have these jobs, right? One of my bosses told me early on that the more veteran on-air talent can feel threatened by the younger kids coming in and can act cold and territorial. I guess the ex-athletes are are comfortable with their careers and don't feel that way. When I work with athletes, they're always super nice, make me feel a part of the show, and are super thankful for the work. The on-air guys are cold and barely acknowledge me. Uh, Just curious if you guys have had similar experience in your careers. All right, uh, Kyle, why don't you go first on this one? Um, No, I don't. 
I don't know. I think I got a unique thing. Like I showed up as a young guy who didn't like know shit. And I just, you know, spent a bunch of time around like my two guys who taught me everything. And it was more of a, I'm doing too much work. So you need to do some of it and, and you'll get to learn by doing it. You know, it was like Tate had like eight podcasts a day and I was, I was doing, doing that stuff. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was like taking a piece of the pie away from them. They were just like, dude, my plate is full. Can you please? So like I came up that way, you know, when I was like one of the young guys and then now, now I'm like one of the older people. This is the only like job I've ever had in this industry. So now I'm one of the old people and I don't know, I don't feel weird about young people coming in. So, yeah, but what about athletes? Like, but see, you're right. It's you're a little different. talent versus like, athlete though. You're at, you're like, like you're at like a radio or podcast. So it's like, are they more honestly? Dicks, yeah. Bigger dicks no, than an athlete. I, I think the Kyle part of this, like your situation is so unique that I think Saruti being at ESPN, I'm really curious though, because you dealt with all of us, but you also dealt with years of the rotation of athletes, some that got to stick around for a while and other guys that like, they wouldn't even get their second year picked up. I think most of the athletes that came in were actually pretty cool. You know, that were like doing a either... Obviously, we're not talking about like Damien Woody's or the guys that have been there forever because they're, you know, those guys are cool for the most part, even though, you know, like they don't have any reason to like chat me up, but they mostly would. So I, I never really, there weren't any like huge like analysts that were dicks. I would say, yeah, sometimes like that, the on air guy that wasn't a former athlete, like, you know, there were so, I don't want to name any. I really don't want to like throw anybody under the bus. I'm no, like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to start dumping on people. But yeah, there were people that sucked. There were definitely people that sucked. And I, it would probably trend more towards the guy who didn't play that was an on air person than a guy that did play. The guy that did play was usually just there to have a good time. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, probably like, got more stuff to would, be proud yeah, of, right? Like, guys would come in and they, you know, they had already made, a, a, you know, some money. They were already kind of famous. They were there. I, you say it all the time, Ryan. Like a lot of it is like, all right, I'll get away from my family for a couple of days, have something to do. They were usually in a good mood. The guys who was like, that's their entire career and they'd been doing this for 15, 20 years um, and they were maybe a little bit insecure about where what their standing was. Those guys were were kind of tough sometimes. Um, you know, I was pretty fortunate. I, I didn't really work with most of those people. Honestly, even at ESPN Radio, considering the lineup, I mean, Mike and Mike were always cool to me. Uh, Colin, for as like quirky and weird as he was and maybe some a little bit intimidating to some people, I think once he knew you were kind of like a normal person and could help him. He was totally fine to people. Um, Colin was always funny though because like Colin couldn't do anything. Like Colin couldn't turn his computer on. He needed somebody to like to do that <laughs> for him. Like he had no, he, I don't want this is going to sound like a dick thing to say, but he had like no skills there other than like being on the mic and being awesome at what he did every day as a solo host. Um, and you know, if you could help him <laughs> out with that, then you were going to be on his good side. There were definitely people that I know that, man, I don't, again, I'm not going to name names, but there were definitely some sports center people that came in as fill-ins that thought they were like hot shit. And they're like, oh, radio, this is bullshit. I'm on sports center all day. This isn't a huge deal at all. Yeah. And actually doing live radio for three hours, you know, by yourself or even with a co-host is harder than what you do on sports center. I'm sorry. Like it just is, you know, to, to, to not have everything scripted out for you. I know it's a little bit different today because some of those shows are a little bit more personality driven, but back then they would come in and be like, I don't need to prep. Like we're fine. And the mic comes on. It's a terrible eight minute first segment. They don't have any like plan or whatever. And they didn't want to listen to you at all. That was pretty annoying. That was pretty annoying. Um, so I would, but again, like, like this isn't, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to name names, but like guys like Randy Scott were the best because they would come in. They yeah. were, they, they wanted to learn. Yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> they, they would come in. They want to learn. They were super nice. They, they just like understood. They didn't know everything, but there were definitely some sports center people that came in and just didn't want any time of day with a producer who was 26 years old, trying to tell them what to do. Randy Scott, shout out the Frolic Room on Sports Center one day. That was pretty cool. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's shout amazing. Out to you, Randy um, Scott. Yeah. I wish when I had said about the video not being in the video, I'd use Randy Scott's name instead of Mike Olick Jr. because I didn't want to cause any shit with Mike Olick. But I was just trying to think of somebody that I liked that I could say yep. this where it wouldn't feel like it was anything. And I was like, after the fact, I was like, I don't know that I'm close enough with Mike Olick Jr. to make that joke. And I should have used Randy Scott. He's always like the default. You can give him a hard time because he, you know, he's, he's a good dude in fairness to some of the sports center anchors. So they were, a lot of those guys were like getting into work at 4am to, or 6am the first run through or whatever. And by the time they had to do the radio show, which after a while I would go to some of the like management people, I go, Hey, I know it's a name and I know it's cool. But like if this person spent by the time they're doing radio, like we're not doing anybody any favors here. I think the emailer's general point is accurate. If you're an athlete and you're good enough, by the way, to be invited to work at ESPN or work on a network specific to that sport, it means you probably had a pretty good career, right? I mean, I know there's a few exceptions at times, but for the most part, they're all names that generally fans would know. So if you're at that stage of your life, despite it's being weird because you get this extended adolescence, which is 
honestly the most jealous I could be about pro athletes. Like you just get to have buddies that you do weird buddy shit with this much longer in life while also making millions of dollars. Like I can't even fathom how much fun that would be, but how hard it is to get away from it. Uh, you are confident. You know, you've done something that was really hard. You're successful. Uh, I always thought it was a little weird. There'd be some guys that would get to ESPN and then now you're at the cafeteria with a hundred, 500, you know, more than that. Right. Because I think there was like 4,000 employees at, in its heyday. Uh, and the cafeteria was just like it would be in the ads. You're like, this is crazy. You know, I'm waiting in the salad bar yep. line with Lou Holtz. And some athletes or coaches that were big deals, you wouldn't think they'd have any issue with it. And then every now and then it would almost take them to get over their apprehension. Be like, hey, everybody's kind of desensitized to it. Like there's still a cool yeah. moment. I'll admit it, I still have a cool moment. Maybe there's going to be a PA that's kind of annoying. Remember that one PA that just decided to start coming by and leaving the editing room to get pictures with everybody that was famous? We're like, who the fuck is this guy? That was a weird stretch. Wasn't but, a great uh, move. Yeah. yeah, ballsy. Ballsy out of that kid. Because we're like, wait, this dude just keeps showing up all the time. <laughs> Does like, he even go just, here? <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> no, seriously, it was like a kid who didn't go to your college showing up to your parties all the time. So I think the premise of the email is generally right. But the only time the on-air guy is going to be threatened is if you're another on-air guy. Like, I would never, ever imagine even the top sports center anchors looking at some 25 year old PA being like, "Uh Oh, now if you're doing some on air stuff, okay, maybe, but that's its own thing. Like, I remember Will Kane showing up and then getting all these first take things after I was kind of banned from first take. And I was like, ah, fuck. And then I got to know Will and I, I liked Will, uh, Kellerman was funny. <laughs> yeah. When Kellerman came on the show, we even patched it out. I said, you know, we've never really been friendly with each other. And he was like, well, I saw you as a threat. And I was like, really? I was like, you fucking destroyed me in opportunities there. And he was like, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, because I'm looking at him going. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> like, why the fuck are you threatened by me? Like, I don't get any of that stuff, even though I, there'd be days of like, ah, oh, fuck this guy. And then once we actually just talked and, you know, the weird thing for me with Kellerman is once I listen to his radio show all the time, like even after I left the lineup, I still listen to ESPN radio religiously because I love sports and I liked a lot of people who are still involved with it. And, I, you know, I didn't, there wasn't any hard feelings like, oh, I'm only listening to NBA radio now. I would listen to Kellerman and go, this guy's so incredibly talented. You know, I was like, let's just have him on because I just thought he was really good at radio. I think being really good at radio to like the Cowherd point that Colin uh, or that Saruti made about Colin. Like if you just get through the first initial two minutes with Colin, couldn't be a nicer guy. Sure, there's some ego in there, uh, but he's he's a really nice guy. And most of the guys in that the heyday of the lineup, they're all got along pretty well. But the only time I really think the non-sports on-air guy, the non-athlete on-air guy feels threatened is when it's another on-air person. Yeah. Because one anchor made the mistake of telling Adnan Verk like he thought I sucked. But he would go like out of his way unprompted to go like, oh, Rosillo again? <laughs> and then, I mean, he told Adnan, who was the worst person to tell, because yeah, Adnan told him immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, fuck that guy. Then I saw him on a plane. He's like, where are you going, buddy? And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Kiss my ass, my face, talk shit. So yeah, there you I go. Could, I could only think of one. There was one athlete who was a straight up well, asshole. Look, who, there's who there's always a couple. I mean, you know, uh, he was he's. I mean, he just he sucked, man. I because you would, you know, I I would be, you know, you you know I me mean? like a pre show meeting. Like I would try to like bring up different points or play devil's advocate because like obviously you want to build the segment out. And this guy, I don't know. We were talking about Steph Curry. Being, he was like, he's the worst defender in the league. I'm like, he's actually not that bad of a defender. People who say he's, a, and this was like, tw this was, this was like 2014, 15. So not, not like now or last couple of years. Like this was Steph when he was still like kind of hungry and hadn't, you know, won a ton yet or anything. And he's like, nah, worst defender in the league. I'm like, all right, man. Well, you just, that's just not true. Like it just isn't true. And you know me, like sometimes I can't hold that in. Yeah. Yeah. And, so he's uh, got a little fire. <laughs> and, yeah. He just didn't want to hear that from me. And I don't blame him. He's like, who the fuck is this guy? Again, 26 year old fucking, you know, guy, I was a former athlete. And it wasn't, it wasn't an NBA player too. And I was kind of annoyed. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about though. You don't watch games. And that guy, and that bothered me. So I was also probably a dick, but this guy sucked. And other people, if you ask, I'm not, again, I'm not going to name the name, but there'll be other people who would be like, if I said his name, be like, oh yeah, that guy was just a, a bad person. I got along with him. But I, I think I got along with him because I was at that certain point. Are we know, talking about the same some person? Some of the athletes weren't going to be. No, yeah, yeah, we are. I actually got along with that guy, but I'm not telling. Wow. Like, everybody's okay. listening. It's been like, what are you guys like along? Him. I remember one time in the green room, I was with like four former athletes and we were arguing about Westbrook and Steph. And I just was looking at him and being like, what are you talking about? And every one of them was like, Westbrook, Westbrook, Westbrook. And I go, yeah, are you guys nuts? I'm like, I'm going to tell the segment producer to cancel all your segments. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? 
And they were just looking at me like I was the dumbest person ever. And I was like, I have to leave the room. But I had been around long enough where I could maybe get away with that a little bit more. My favorite uh, moment was when the athlete realized I wasn't a raging dork. You know, because at first you go, oh, dork, Boston, never played a fucking sport. Like every single assumption you would make about me. And then, you know, like they'd have them, we'd have them in studio like three or four times. And then all of a sudden it's like, so what do you do here at West Hartford? Like, oh, this guy's not a fucking loser. Some Syracuse dork. No offense to the Cuse, but you get the point. This is their perspective, not me. All right. All right. Didn't mean to diss the orange on the way out. That's Friday feedback. Again, uh, Friday feedback, gmail.com. Maybe we'll do one of those a month and we'll, uh, we'll figure out how to fix the rough spots. Yeah.